Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 308 of the Big Show, some Enforcer Based Podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wild Wednesday, hump day Wednesday. Almost there, folks. A little late today. I was actually, uh, I was I was out in the yard doing work today. Yeah, we were building a, a pergola for the for the backyard. Doesn't that sound foo foo? Yeah, per, yeah, lots of good times assembling outdoor patio furniture with your wife. Yeah, that's uh, that's the test of any marriage right there. But now it went all right. But man, it was hot outside, and I had burned the shit on my neck and my face. And yeah, it uh, it's gonna hurt tomorrow. I can already feel it. I just feel like it's burning in the back of my neck right now. Um, but yeah, how you guys doing? Um, so needless to say, after being outside in the sun all day, um, I am le- I am legitimately this time going to keep this short. Um, I actually recorded, um, if anybody listened to the Sunday episode, I hope you did. Uh, I called it The Man on the Street. Um, and I interviewed... Uh, kind of did these 10 rapid fire questions with William, Tony and Ed Barrett. And, um, and I, and I thought it was a lot of fun. It was enjoyable. And, uh, I've got some really good feedback on the episode. People seem to enjoy it. Um, so I did it again with, uh, with Steve and Justin. And, uh, so I have those two guys, uh, on today and, um, and I think in the next couple of days, I'm going to try to reach out and uh, I'm going to talk to a few of the Ice Wars guys. And, uh, you know, Ice Wars July 15th in uh, Wyoming, in Cheyenne. So uh, I'm, all, I'm a big fan of Ice Wars. If, obviously, if anybody, any long-term listeners know, I was actually at Ice Wars 1 and 2 at Edmonton. And uh, unfortunately, I won't be at this one, the third one, but I will definitely be watching on pay-per-view. And uh, I always enjoy it. And... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a, in, the, in the upcoming weeks, uh, you know, to promote it and everything. I'm gonna have a couple of a couple of the guys on and uh, and and ladies, and because uh, there is a female fight this time, there's gonna be the first female battle. Uh, Haley Ross, I've talked to her. She's from Metal Lake, and uh, uh, John Morasti recommended recommended her. So that's a pretty strong endorsement right there. So uh, I'm gonna get her on, and we'll we'll talk about that and. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. I got some irons and some fire um, with a couple current, uh, a couple guys that uh, current players, and um, yeah, so hopefully we can uh, work that out here in the, in the next couple of days. Um, in the meantime, um, I didn't want to leave you guys without any content, and uh, and like I said, and, and Steve and Justin were great. I, I'm really enjoying the uh, the rapid fire concept. Um, Obviously, as people go on and listen to it, it won't be so, because that's the thing, like, these guys didn't know the questions I was going to ask them, that's part of the gimmick, right? So you kind of, 
you know, get their first first response kind of thing, and and we kind of go from there. Um, obviously, as the episodes go on, and you kind of ask it the same questions, it's like it doesn't really become um, a surprise question anymore. So I'm gonna have to, uh, you know, add a wrinkle to it and a couple different questions for different people going forward. But uh, I, I think it's a fun way to get people from the fight boards involved in in the in the show and. Uh, yeah, and I, and everybody's been different, different answers, and then you know whatever answer they give, you know we obviously riff off of that and 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 go from there. So um, yeah, like I said, anytime I can I can involve fellow fight fans, I love doing that. So and to be completely honest, it's very easy content for me because um, you know in the dog days of summer, this is actually my busiest time at work, and um, I legit worked thirty out of thirty one days in May, and I've worked. Uh, all seven days here in June so far. So, and it doesn't look like that'll be slowing down. So, um, yeah, I mean, on the weekends, I don't work all day, but it, you know, four or five, six hours, it's good enough, uh, each day. So, uh, you know, and then it was hot out and everything else. So, um, you know, again, don't, you know, don't cry for me, Argentina. I mean, it's, you know, it's not good overtime bucks. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm getting paid all right to do it. So, uh, and I can always say no, right? It's no one's holding a gun to my head. So, but uh, right now, kind of you know, make hay while the sun shines, right? Sort of thing. So, um, so to come home and and do a podcast after sweating all day, it's a little tough. But uh, when, when it's an enjoyable topic and and fun guys to talk to, it makes it a lot easier. So I've really enjoyed these kind of rapid fire um, type content, and I think you guys will really enjoy Steve and Justin today. Um, they were, they were good dudes, great guests and, uh, definitely going to have them on again. And, uh, yeah. And if you want to take part, uh, fourth line voice on Twitter and Facebook, uh, as the kids say, my DMS are open. If you're not on social media, you're a smart person. Uh, email me hockey fights at hotmail.com. Uh, yeah. And let me know. And, uh, we will, uh, I'll get, I'll do my best to make time and get you on. But, um, before I get to those guys, got to throw a few shout outs. As I said, Remember the Hockey Podcast Network? And I got some characters joining the network with me. Of course, Jolt and Joel Lazito in the Coliseum Chronicles. And Alec at the Five for Fighting Podcast have both signed their contracts with the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, when they release their episode. I know Joe was just on the Terry Ryan show. Oh, look at that big deal. Just skips right over me and goes right to the big show. Right to the number one, Terry Ryan. I guess Terry Ryan managed to... uh, uh, you know, he's got that kind of stroke where he can uh, fulfill Joe's, uh, his uh, his rider, you know, his performance rider, something about brown M&Ms and all-dressed chips or something. I don't know, you know, so I have to, I'll have to hunt around, you know, maybe I can, you know, sweeten the pot and get Joe to stop by this show too. You know, Joe gets so busy, does, doesn't even do his own show, he just does everyone else's. Joe, he's, Joe is the permanent guest on all these shows. That's Joe's show. He's the guest. Yeah. But, uh, check that out. Joe and Terry Ryan's show. They've known each other for a long time. So, and he's been on Terry's show before. And, uh, and of course, Alec, uh, I know his work right now is getting a little goofy and, uh, he is, uh, putting in a lot of cardio at the work site right now. So I think the, um, you know, the podcast is kind of, uh, uh, you know, he's, I know he's on the network. He signed the deal with the network, but I think he's just on in a holding pattern right now until uh, things free up at work. So, but I'm sure that'll be sooner rather than later. So those guys will be uh, hitting the airwaves shortly. But um, 
yeah, guys, like I always say, check out uh, um, uh, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,000 fight videos on there. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Like if you watch a video, give it the thumbs up. Uh, what video did Oh, I put up a Darren Langdon, uh, Dennis Bonvey American Hockey League fight the other day. And man, it, it shot, it's got like 19,000 views or something. Uh, that did really well. And then I just put up a double KO from the East Coast League back in the day in the 90s, late 90s. Uh, Call, uh, Tom Callahan, no, that's Callahan and Tom McDonald. Anyway, Callahan's, Greg Callahan, I believe. His name, his first name for some reason is escaping me. But yeah, they kind of do this double knockdown. It's kind of rowdy. But uh, that and a whole lot more is at the YouTube channel. I have all the... Whatever league you're looking for, everything's sorted out. So just type it in a little search at WHL, OHL, East Coast, whatever. Boom, up the fights will come. So check it out. And like I said, subscribe to the channel. And for myself, Joe, Alec, Jordan, uh, whoever. Jordan, five and a game podcast. There's another, sorry, it's, uh, I, I didn't mean to leave him out. Um, he's out in the patch working right now, but he will be coming back in the fall hot and heavy. And uh, I know he's excited to get back at it. So uh, lots of good stuff on the network these days. Well, there's a lot of stuff on the network these days. I, you know, I'm saying good might be, you know, might be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but, uh, you know, careful who you associate with, right? I'm trying to distance myself a little bit. I don't want to get any on me. So, but, uh, check those out. Check out the back catalog. And as I say, uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite shows, uh, doesn't matter what podcast it is, mine, whoever's, um, as a creator, I can tell you if you can, uh, rate the show and, uh, that helps the creator out huge. It helps in the algorithms and uh, download don't stream. And uh, that way you can track, they can track. It's it's the one little thing as listeners you can do. You're getting free content anyway. So I would say help out, not just my, again, not myself, but not just myself, but any podcast that you listen to. Now, well, I mean, you know, Spitting Chiglets and Rogan, I'm pretty sure don't need your ratings to, to jump in the algorithms. But for a smaller show, that is a big deal that you can do. Uh, is rate and review the show. It's you're already on the platform anyway. If you could do that, that would be that would be excellent. If you could do that, I'd greatly appreciate it. As I as I know, other all the other creators would as well. So with that, there's the endorsements. But I, I'm going to get out of here. I'm oh, I got to go. <laughs> I got to go put lotion on this neck or something. This is going to be a long night. Um, but once again, as I always say, in, in uh, and it's and it's and it's true. Um, I, I want to thank you guys for listening listening to the show. The uh, listens have actually gone up a lot. Up a lot. Listen to me. Yeah, like I'm really a rocket to the top here. But it, the show actually has gained some momentum uh, lately and uh, getting a lot more feedback, and I greatly appreciate it. And the fact, I know there's a million podcasts out there. The fact that you take the time out to listen to my show is very humbling, and I very much appreciate it. And uh, thank you. And I always say, and like I said with this show, with, with getting these guys on to t- the 10 rapid questions and all that stuff, this show is your guys' show. I'm just a fa- I'm a fight fan just like you guys and I want to get you guys on the air and share your stories and uh you know and I'd love to hear your opinion on things and uh create conversation and uh yeah and and that's why I'm doing it. So uh yeah, like I said, if you want to get on the show, get in touch. If you have an idea for the show or a guest or what have you, anything. I just love to hear from you guys. It's uh it's the people's podcast, we'll put it that way. So Whatever, uh, if you have any ideas, shoot them my way. I'd love to hear from you. But uh, let's get into it. Here are the, the man on the street, the 10 rapid fire questions. With uh, First with Steve and then uh, Justin. 
And uh, again, I want to thank those two gentlemen for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Thanks, guys. And uh, we'll talk to you cats on Sunday. All right. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. All right, here we are in the fourth line voice. I got a special guest today out in Michigan. I got Steve on the line. Steve, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Darren. Well, thank you for uh, for willing to participate here. I, I I'm going to hit Steve uh, as we did last episode, kind of the ten rapid fire questions. Um, Steve actually hasn't heard the episode, so he he really doesn't know what questions I'm going to ask him. So uh, <laughs> here we go. So are you ready? I am. All ready right. Ever be. Okay. Well, the first one. Um, well, you said you're. Uh, well, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I, right away, I'm blowing my own bit here because you're, you're Red Wing guys. So it's like, um, <laughs> who are the who are the Red Wings' t- top three enforcers of all time? Top three enforcers of all time: Probert, Coach, and. Probably McCarty in there. Not saying he was the best, but he was probably the one that embraced the role, understood it, could take a regular shift, really, uh, really, really lived in, like leaned into it. I, I think McCarty uh, understood it and did it did it well. Well, and we were talking before we got going that uh, you actually being in the Detroit area growing up, you got to actually, uh, you saw the Probert Coaster days live. Yeah, absolutely. That was a real privilege. And also, from where I grew up, I could pull Channel 34 out of Montreal so I could get Canadian games, and I could get Channel 9 out of Windsor so I would get the uh, Leafs games as well. But, yeah, it was a, <laughs> the, the uh, silver lining privilege of living through the Dead Wing era was that you got to see Probert and Kosher come up, Basil McRae, all sorts of folks. You know, Grimson was there for a minute. So uh, Dennis Vial, you know, I think he's the guy that we all took for granted just because he he wasn't necessarily at a Probert or Kosher level, but throughout the course of his career, he just turned out to be a fantastic fighter. Well, I was going to ask you while, while we're sitting there on the thing, of course, you had Randy McKay. And unfortunately, yeah, Randy McKay was fantastic. Yep. Yes, he was, and unfortunately, he became compensation in the Troy Crowder trade. What did you think as a Red Wing and a fight fan that all of a sudden we're going to get Probert's number one enemy here on our team now in Troy Crowder? Oh, we were excited. We were excited when those fights were happening in real time. The the buzz that went through the East Side, through the whole metro area there was incredible. The only thing that compared to it was the, the Domi, uh, Domi Probert fights, just the build up to any of those things. And Crowder had come out of nowhere. So he was an unknown to most of us. And to see, uh, how competitive those fights were and really just what battles they were, it was outstanding. Uh, I don't think we had a really a good inkling as to the type of player Randy McKay was coming out of Michigan Tech and being a pretty good forward. Um, I, I don't think we knew that what we were giving up. There was there were some times there in the '80s. If it wasn't for bad management, the Wings would have had any management at all. I mean, you know, the overcorrection for the Jimmy Carson trade uh, cost us Adam Graves. You know, he was a great young winger center too. So there was uh, there were some mistakes made for sure in those early years. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, were you at any of the? Were you at the game with the Crowder rematch? Were you there? No, no, I didn't have the privilege to attend either of those. No. Um, no, but it was a it was a palatable buzz for sure, and uh, and the, the surrounding areas were like the bars in the, in Corktown and in that area were were all hyped up for the event. I mean, Bobby's like 
you know, right from across the across the river, right from Windsor, where a lot of us would go to 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 hang out anyway. So it just felt like he was uh, a homegrown talent. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot for Wings fans to cheer about at the time, but we, we all loved Probert. We all felt like he was the reigning NHL champ. And this was, uh, was going to be, like I said, a competitive battle and a hell of a fight. They both were hell of great fighters. Yeah. Well, that was one thing. You guys weren't winning games. At least you were winning fights, though. When you had Probert yeah, Coaster yeah. around there, you weren't losing too many of those. But, hey, did you no, ever have, in, all no. your, in your time around Detroit and Windsor, did you ever run into Probert? Did you ever have a conversation? No, but I did have a, no, but I did have a friend that found his uh, bank card in the ATM machine and somehow managed to get it back to him. And of course, as these legends are, like he was extremely generous. He, I think, he uh, took the the guys out for some beers. Um, it didn't get anything beyond that, but it was just your typical like uh, that was that was the the fabric of Probert in the community is him popping up and, and being just a great person i think that's one of the things that made it really easy for everyone to root for is he just was seemed like a really humble and really approachable person who was enjoying enjoying life and and living it to the fullest and you know we we all we we all wanted to embody him in everything that we were doing like living life to the fullest <laughs> absolutely well and i mean just to be well i mean it's not like we're you know, talking out of school here. I mean, everybody always knows every everybody that's followed Probert's career and watched the documentary and read the book and everything understands the battles that he's had and the issues that he had yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. As far as when you were living in Detroit, though, was that kind of common knowledge? The issues that he was yeah. having and the yeah, shit that he was. was causing. It was. It was. We had a. I had a gym teacher who worked at the tunnel as a border guard, and uh, we through the rumor mill we had heard that. Um, there had been many opportunities to stop Bob at the border coming or going, and that this most famous one, the, the kind of the last one that he got in the most trouble with, uh, um, that this, you know, he just pissed off the wrong person that night, and for whatever reason, it was the Wheel of Fortune, and that was the night. But, yeah, I mean, he was cutting a wide swath through town. He was popular with the ladies. He was <laughs> popular with uh, all sorts of other misanthropes, and uh, everybody in, I think, in Detroit, it's a hard, hard edge city, and I think people like their their um, their heroes like that a little bit rough around the edges too. They yeah. play hard and they partied hard, and I think you know in Detroit they work hard and party hard, and I think they could appreciate that. But yeah, there would be reports of him on the motorcycles driving through town, or you know places that he'd just been but you'd miss. So um, I did have the opportunity to go to his first game back against the North Stars when he got out of Hazleton. And that was standing room only, and that was that was pretty epic. I mean, they, that place, the Joe Lewis just roared all night every time he came out on the ice. It was pretty cool. Did he fight Shirley that night? I don't know that he fought. I'm not. I don't remember that so much. I just remember the general the atmosphere in the arena, and it was standing room only. I was way up in the rafters there. I don't remember if he fought or not. Steve was up in the nose, bleeds up in peanut heaven there with his probably rocking his Klima <laughs> jersey. I heard. That's just what I heard, though. <laughs> yep, yep. I had my number eighty-five on. Yep, yep. <laughs> I had my, my Joseph bucket, my my weird ass tape job on my stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The flower pot on your head. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's what I said. I can't believe yeah. I can't believe they let him out of the dressing room wearing that helmet. Come on, boys. Yeah, him and Rutu. When he showed up, man, he was obviously so much more talented than two thirds of the people on the Wings team when he showed up. I mean, Eisman is the year he got drafted. He was the most talented guy on the team. So it was fun to see somebody with some skill on there. And he, you know, he really did have a lot of heart. He was fun to watch. 
you know, Deuce Looney's aside, he was a good addition. He had a fantastic playoff year the same year that Probert had a fantastic year. So, yeah, Klima was fun. Oh, <laughs> it's it just was. one of those things, right? All, all the talent, and he just, you know, just sometimes the, yeah. the, the extracurricular kind of took it out of him. Absolutely. Absolutely. He had a whole world of opportunities at his fingertips and he took advantage of it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, I mean, that, those were fun teams though. Cause I mean, not only did you have Probert and Kosher riding one, one A, you got guys like Mel Bridgman, you got Jimmy yep. Mill, you got Harold Snaps. I mean, a lot of these guys are on the undercard. They're, they're terrific fighters in their own right, you know? And, uh, it was a it was a great team, and um, I mean it was a great team to watch. It was always a lot of fun for sure. Absolutely. Well, see now I'm, I I started you off with an easy one, but now this is where we're going to go. <laughs> on so seeing as we're talking Detroit and that's your team and everything else, who's the worst enforcer in Wings history? Oh man, I don't like to go down that road, but we had a guy that uh, Daryl Bootland that I watched for a year that he just did not understand the role. He didn't quite didn't get it, and just he hesitated. He was probably a little anxious, and he just didn't quite get it. Um, we also we had Tory Robertson for a year there. We had we had Tiger Williams right at the very tail end of his career. We had a lot of guys that were pretty long in the tooth. They're they're. Uh, they were, their <laughs> heart was willing, but their their body was kind of weak. I loved Kevin McClelland. It was tough to watch him as a wing there at the end. Um, yeah, we we had some guys that, uh, like I said, they they wanted to do it, but they couldn't quite get it done there. And I I, I think I don't want to sound like I have animus for uh, for Bootland, but I was I was disappointed in the way he approached the job. <laughs> Bootland, yeah, it was Bootland was always crazy because you look at the minor league. He was awesome in the minors, like unbelievable. Yeah, thirty goals in two hundred minutes, and it was just he's one of those yeah. one of those tweeners, right? It's just yeah, could do mm-hmm. it in the American League, but just I don't know how much of an opportunity he was given in the NHL because I think he only played seventeen games or whatever. But I mean, yeah, there was that. Yeah, uh, he didn't play much. No, he, he had a really poor showing I think against 2-2 and I think the, the brass they sort of uh, just decided like this guy yeah for whatever reason he couldn't quite make that jump to that next level so, yeah. yeah but well there we go um, third question <laughs> best fight you've ever seen live oh I saw a fight in Windsor um, it was uh, it was the game that Lindros came in and he was playing against the, the Spitfires and at the end of the game there was a, a brawl, and everyone was out on the ice, and everyone was watching Lindros, but the goalies went at it. And these two kids threw from their skates, and they just threw hard for probably 90 seconds. And in all that equipment, I, I just thought it was, a, it was a great fight to see live. It just kept amping the crowd up. If you've ever had a chance to see uh, a game at the old barn in Windsor, you were literally right on the ice. I mean, it was just the atmosphere was unparalleled. I just I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I'm not sure um, who would be in the pro ranks. I was able to see quite a few that I thought were fun, but I don't have any one right now that I think is like, ah, that was a definitive one. But I do think about that fight in juniors and, and uh, just those probably 16-year-old goalies going at it. Yeah. Um, well, we'll move away from the, from the Detroit thing and, and everything, but just in, just in general, um, in terms of just enforcers overall, any deck, whatever, as we're just talking, mm-hmm. who do you think is the most underrated Enforcer of all time. Mm. So my enforcer, like uh, like we talked about, is Mount Punchmore. It always has kind of it has um, people like Semenko, like McSorley and Probert and Ferguson, and then that 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 last position is always kind of rotating around because I 
I do put some weight on rings, and I do put some weight on, like, were you able to do this at the highest level in the biggest games? And I think, you know, you do see guys like uh, – like Marty McSorley that got it done. I wasn't a McSorley fan as a, as a young person. Like I was a Detroit fan, so I wasn't that wasn't my camp. But over the years, when I look at it, I just think like that's a guy that showed up every time. His heart is immeasurable, you know, and he just he knew the role and he played it well. So I don't know that it's a popular choice, but for me, someone like uh, Marty McSorley in that how he understood the role, I think he was pretty underrated as an enforcer. Okay. Well, now we got to go on the other side of the coin. Overrated. Overrated as an enforcer. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, if you go, because, I mean, you keep... and I are both on the message boards and blah, 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 yeah, and all that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. That's, I, I, on the message boards, I'm, I'm, that's not normally, I'm not usually on there to stir the pot or to, to, to kick shit around. But um, That's not true, Steve. You're a troublemaker. Yeah. <laughs> I think our man in New York, I think, was a little bit. I think if he had played for, uh, like I said, if he had played in St. Louis or in Pittsburgh, the uh, the the kind of Herculean attributes given to Nick might be slightly different. I think he's big. He's a hell of a hitter. If you wanted to fight, those first 30 seconds or 40 seconds were going to be a hell of a fight. And then it was over. But I want a guy that takes it to somebody. I don't need a lot of theatrics. I just want somebody that is going to actually go and do the job so in my mind and maybe this is just me stepping on the cape is like i think he's slightly overrated you know what's funny i you're the fourth person that i've done the rapid fire questions with three of you have said fatio <laughs> so, new yorkers are gonna hate us <laughs> yeah we're not alone yeah the show's doing shit in new york now i can tell you yeah right, exactly. yeah i got lazito and that's it he's the only one listening that a whole town yeah <laughs> yeah but I like um the story i like everything about it it's just not my um yeah i just I, i'm looking for more action i'm looking for you know, you look at there's guys out there who have way better fight cards who aren't even considered fighters necessarily. You know. Yeah. You know what would be great? I I don't know who I was saying. Well, I might have said this to one of them when we were talking about it, but um, with Fatio, I think it would be, it'd be really cool um, <clears throat> to see his WHA stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> because yes. I think that's more where he kind of would fight more, like. And again, I'm not certainly not going to sit here and I'm a I'm a Nick expert or anything like that. But just from the footage that I've seen and stuff, it's like eh, it's okay. But yeah. I always say yeah. there's a lot of squaring off and a lot of posing, you know. And yeah, a lot of showboating and yeah, yeah. rotate. Yeah, for sure. Now, granted, yeah, it always see. it takes two to fight. It does, uh, you know. But <laughs> right, at the same right. time, yeah. Well, he seems to be involved in these a lot more than everyone else, you know. So it's like I don't yeah. know. But uh, his WHA stuff. The ones with like, yeah, I think if you look at like uh, the Randy Holt or uh, McElhargy, those guys they're they're not into theatrics. They're just gonna go right at it, and you can see like those are some those are tough fights for Nick. Like those are good fights, and they're those are tough yep. fights. So because it's they're not afraid, and they're going right in. And and I think you're right. I think the the, the reps of folks like uh, Fatio and Carlson and Slinko, they were made in the WHA. Yeah. And I think they're most likely they earn those stripes. But by the time we get to see them, when the uh, you know after 1980, it's a it's a horse of a different color for sure. You know, I wanted to backtrack. I'm not a, like I said, I'm not a huge Marty fan, and I'm comfortable with that choice. But one person that I think of 
frequently that doesn't really get a lot of props, but you see in a, in a lot of fights, Willie Platt, man. Willie Platt can play yeah. on the top line, get you 25, 30 goals, and fight Ben Wilson. Fight, yeah. you know, fight Harold Smith. Like, he fought every fought Kurt Frazier. And, you know, later on, and he's a little long in the tooth in Minnesota, and especially in Boston, we're not seeing the same guy. But when you brought that up, it reminded me, like, oh, yeah, Willie Platt was an absolute tiger when he got into, you know, the fights with, uh, uh, like, Hutchinson. And he's like, they're just good. And that's a guy that I think is, is kind of uh, cast as a villain because he's fighting somebody else's favorite all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, probably playing in Atlanta, he didn't get a huge base. But I, I'm always impressed when I when I see what he did and how he went about it for sure. Yeah, great player. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's yeah, he's uh yeah, his stats unbelievable. Yeah, one of the original kind of power yep. forwards and yeah, great yeah, player, yep. great player. Um, all right, uh, what was that? Five. Okay, question six. Um, who's somebody that you've done a 180 on? Oh, Scott Stevens. Really. I hated I hated Scott Stevens as a well yeah I didn't like him as a capital and then as a devil when he when he laid out Kozlov I I knew the series was over when he when he when you could see uh, you could see Kozlov's spirit leaving his body and I just like yeah it's over yeah <laughs> you know? and I hated him and I hated him I, I never thought he was dirty I never that wasn't I never had any issue with the hits. But because I didn't like him, I didn't really pay much attention to him. And then when I went back and I started looking at, like, fights with DeLorme and fights with Neil and some of these uh, other – he didn't win all these fights. But uh, 18, 19, 20-year-old Scott Stevens is arguably the strongest guy in the league already. I mean, he manhandles Nystrom. Nobody manhandles Nystrom. He doesn't beat him up, but he handles Nystrom, you know. And I feel like he was so strong and he was such a head case and would absolutely lose control – that he was, he was just dangerous out there. And, uh, yeah, I really disliked him as a player, and now I think he's just a foundational uh, cornerstone, man. If I had a pick and he was available, I'd take him in a heartbeat. You know, you build franchises around guys like him. So, no. yeah, I, again, I'm not going to pretend he's, he's not scaring anybody. He's not scaring Dave Brown, but he's fighting Dave Brown, you know. So I give him all sorts of credit for that. And later on, yeah, I, I laugh every time somebody talks about Ty Domi. Honestly, who gives a shit what Ty Domi thinks about Scott Stevens? Like, really. You know, Stevens is the Hall of Fame. The man's got rings. Domi was great. Domi did his job great. If I'm anywhere connected to anything with Scott Stevens, I don't want him dropping the gloves with Domi for some, what, pissing match? Like, no. Like, uh-uh. No, so I've turned the corner on him. Yeah, I think. I think uh, more highly of him than I did absolutely as a as a when he was actually playing. There you go. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. And a real, like you said, right. You, you bring out the message board. It's like, he's always been really polarizing. There's like kind of the two camps. There's set up, there's kind of no oh, middle. Yeah. There's no middle. Yep. Um, yeah. The, I mean the Domi when he was yapping on spitting chiclets about him and calling him a pussy or whatever he called right. him. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah come fine. on, man. You know, it's <laughs> right. kind of, I mean, I get it. The personal hatred. I, oh, I guarantee it. Oh, I totally. like, And there, and I, you know, Steven's, could get Domi going, and he would do it and do it and oh, push yeah. him and push him. And Domi took oh, how yeah. many bad penalties over it, and Stevens wasn't going to fight. Yeah, wasn't going to fight him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I well, mean, they both, you know, they both were really solid skaters and had real yeah. good balance. And so they're they're battling out there. I mean, they're going hard. It's not like you know Domi's playing two shifts a game or something. Like these are two good like skaters good balance and you know Lindros like everything came from his his legs his balance so yeah I'm sorry not Lindros Scott Stevens yeah for sure 
Yeah, he's he's very polarizing, and like I said, I I hated him too. So I don't necessarily defend the guy, but I have much different picture in my mind for for who he is. Well said, well done. Um, number seven, what rematch do you wish happened? Oh, I would like to see. I would have liked to have seen Joey Kosher fight Semenko or fight Dave Richter. Um, it, yeah, after those two, I don't know that it would have turned out much different. I just would like to have seen a more straight-up fight. I don't even think, you know, I don't know that you can call what those little blow-bys or fly-bys with, uh, with Nick and Robert as, like, uh, as fights. I would have loved to have seen them go. Um, yeah, boy, that's a great question. The, the the re the rematch that you always wanted, huh? It'd be fun to see Playfair go at McClellan, knowing what he had in store for him this time. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, it, it, yeah, that. Uh, well, it's interesting you brought up the the coaster Semenko thing. What's what are your? Because that's a that's a real. Because you know from back in the day on the old message boards, that was a hotly contested uh, little piece of business there. Yet camps and people on both sides. Oh, I don't think there's. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to contest. I think Joey, he knew what time it was. He should have been aware of it. And uh, I have no issue for, with what Semenko did. Joe Kosher had busted Jackson up pretty he should have He should have been expecting that calling card. Everybody on the team knew that, that uh, the, the invite to go for a canoe ride was going to be forthcoming. So, no, I have my issues are more with uh, Joe just not being ready for it, I guess. Or maybe, I'm not sure what, where his head was at. I, I feel like he probably... Being a Western Canadian kid, he he was aware of Dave, uh, you know, and Dave's reputation and just how big and strong he was. I don't think he was afraid of him, but I think maybe there was that little moment of hesitancy, and uh, then it was over. <laughs> you know? No, yeah. I don't. I've never had any issue with Smink. Smink another one of those guys that I just didn't like when I when he was playing because he didn't care. He did. He like I like an enforcer that crosses the line. Yep. I want my enforcer. I want the other team to be looking for him, wondering where he is, wondering what he's doing, not the other way around. I don't want him chasing the, the luchics of the world around, you know, whatever it is. I was, like, I want my enforcer to be taking it to guys, and if they have to cross the line to keep the flies off the, the stars, then that's what they do. There you go, folks. Perfectly said. Yep. Um, <laughs> number eight. Well, sort of in the same vein as a rematch, but, well, what what uh, what would be your fantasy matchup? A fight that you wish happened? Any era, you could just pick whoever. Oh, man, wow! Any era, huh? Well, see, yeah. I always say when somebody I... asks me that fantasy matchup, I always go to the, I go to my minor league roots. I always say I wanted to say Engelstad versus Morasti. That would have been my fantasy. Oh matchup. yeah, yeah. Steel cage man with two men enter, one man leave type stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty great. Um. I don't know. I start to like. I I would like to have seen some of the original six guys. I think like I would like to have seen. Yep. I'd like to have seen some curtain backs fights. I'd like to have seen some of Gordy's fights. You know, I like Butch Bouchard. Some of those guys and these. You know, it, it's. I mean, you can see. You can watch Nyland's uh, or podcast right now, and these guys are talking about like, oh, I hit him twenty times in five minutes, and I killed him. And you watch the fight, you're like, was this the same thing? And we all were there. We're watching the same. So you look at those old fights of like. Uh, you know, John Mariucci versus Black Jack Stewart, where they fought in Chicago Stadium for 15 minutes. Like, uh. <laughs> but I would, I would like to have seen like how that all went down and some of those, some of those classic brawls that you hear about, and whether it's Fontaneto and how, or um, yeah, like Butch Bouchard and Ferd Flamen. I would love to see some of those stuff. Um, 
Man, I don't, I don't know. I, I would have liked to have seen some fights with like uh, McClellan and Probert. It always felt like uh, it was McClellan and, and Kosher, and like you know, some of those like when they were tag team, and they didn't always uh, change partners up so much. So, no, I don't have a great fantasy matchup. Um, yeah, that, yeah, for sure. That's just... <laughs> well, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, you, well, you kind of got yeah. Well, my next question. So, number nine, and I know as you said, oh, I got one. I got one. I got a fantasy matchup. I'd like to see Claire Gillies and Glenn Cochran go. There you go. I would have liked to see Bobby Nystrom and Ben Wilson go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I I would. I would have loved to have seen this Probert Fatio fight. Nick, yeah. well, and it's like, it's one of those things. Well, Nick tried him twice and Probert turned him down. I mean, you hear, you hear that story all the time, but when well, I guess it's not a story, <laughs> right, there is right, actually right. footage of it, but I, I think there's sure. extenuating circumstances other than, oh, Bobby was scared. Nah, I don't know about <laughs> right. that. But I don't no, know. he's not scared. I don't know what the circumstances are, but he's not scared of him. No, no. <laughs> he might not. Are, are guys less anxious to fight other guys? Or less excited? But absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. But nobody's afraid of anybody out there. Uh-huh. No. But um, you kind of alluded to it earlier You, you know, when you said you, you used to tape stuff and all that stuff. So you're a tape guy. Um, if, you, yeah. if somebody said, I, I'll give you a VHS tape. And you had you could pay any footage you want. What footage would it be? Oh, like from a, from an era or from a any, anything? Uh, if they if they all of a sudden you, you yeah, if you could have something that you really wanted to see, what era, what team, whatever, what would it be? If you could get your hands, you know, on George it. posts. George makes great posts on YouTube, and I watch eighty stuff. I I love watching all the eighty fights. I like even if they're not the heavyweights. I like seeing what all the undercard stuff. And yeah, I can watch eighty fights. All day long, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I always say, like, in terms of, like, lost footage that I wish was found, I always say, like, Probert Jr. stuff. I wish Probert's yeah. OHL stuff was out there. Because, I mean, I think there's, like, all of, like, yeah, what, four fights, sure. I think. Yeah, I think there's, like, four yeah, right. Them, I mean, you know? The same ones that we see all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I was, I was talking to a, another uh, fan on, on one of the boards, and we were, we were talking about uh, there was a uh, an obituary that I came across of a guy in Windsor who apparently uh, he used to uh, tape, he was a Red Wings tape guy, and Joe Ducharme was his name, and he used to uh, tape for the Wings, and he'd have all these VHS tapes, and he was the first one doing it. And I thought, like, man, he must have had, there must be stuff on there that no one else had in the early 80s that that he just, uh, you know, as a kind of the first employee of the Red Wings to videotape, I think it, it would have been interesting to see some of the stuff that he he had been with the team in the seventies as a cameraman, and just uh, would tape the home games at uh, Olympia. And then as the VCRs came along, he moved into the Joe. Yeah, man, that would be oh, that would have been tremendous to see. <laughs> I think one of the things that just keeps me, I, I just love, you know, there's this footage that came out a couple of years ago, I don't maybe five years ago, I think there was a ESPN documentary on the Big Bad Bruins. And in the middle of this documentary is footage I've seen with Sanderson and uh, Kurtenbach, pristine and just incredible. Yep. And I think that's one of the things that us, uh, those uh, us old tape heads and fans, you know, every now and then one of these sort of uh, <laughs> lost arc relics will pop up and you just keep you hoping like, oh, man, I hope this shows up. I hope something else shows up. I hope that this is, you know, I hope that somebody's got this uh, in a box in the basement next to their Grateful Dead reel-to-reel tapes or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, you know, we're all yeah. holding out hope. But every once in a while, something, like you said, right, something pops up and it yeah, keeps your dream, al- it keeps the dream up. alive, right? So. 
Yep, there was a beautiful uh, video that showed up, I think, last year of Mark Tardos and Keith Magnuson as rookies, and it was just pristine, and these guys are just going at it. I'm like, man, this was in somebody's basement or, you know, in some library for 30 years. So, no, I'm always I'm always hoping and I'm always looking and, and you know, fingers crossed that something something cool shows up. I mean, I'd love to see more Battleship Kelly. That guy yeah. is, is a legend and rightfully so. Um I don't have any doubt with him. I think that that that's that seems legit. Uh, but I would like to see. I just like to see more of myself. You know. Yep, absolutely. Well, the tenth number, the the final question: What fight when you watch it? What fight do you hate the most to to watch that you go back and it's just like ah. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good question. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I don't necessarily have one like that. I should. I. I, I need to come up with one. Um, you know, a fight that that uh, bums me out is the Ben Wilson versus John Hillworth fight because I mean, obviously, the, like Ben Wilson is rightfully on a pedestal. John Hillworth was a good fighter, and he was an up and coming fighter, and he had had good fights against Hutchinson and good fight against Secord. You know, some some legendary fights in, in juniors. And when I see that fight, it, it's not a statement about Hillworth or even really necessary fight. In my mind, I just think like, ah, oh, terrible Ted. Like he pretty much ran him out of the league. You know, he wanted him to get back out there and, and fight again. And this is like, it, it, we don't see knockouts like that where guys get back in, into the fight. So when I see that fight, I was think like, man, that was piss poor management. That's not how you treat a guy like that. You know, I know that terrible Ted. I know that Lindsay is old obviously it doesn't get much more old school than Ted Lindsay but the way that went down it still bothers me I still feel like uh he didn't he he should have done better by Hellworth and that if, if Hellworth could have dressed then you know five foot three polo isn't leaving isn't taking on all the heavy lifting that uh Jimmy Corn or Willie Huber can't seem to handle yeah <laughs> yeah well it's interesting you bring up the Hellworth um because who was yeah, it was just a little while ago, right? Somebody in the in the group had posted a bunch of like articles on Hill. Like I didn't know anything about the guy because he was an OHL guy yeah, too, right? Yeah. Wasn't he an OHL guy? Yeah, no, he's interesting. He's yeah. interesting. He's a Western guy. He plays with uh, with Jim Nill. Nill talks oh, about right, him. Right, right, he's a yeah. gearhead in yeah Victoria. I'm not sure where, but yeah, and yeah, obviously that fight shows up, and you look at it like, God, it's just brutal. And then I started to dig a little deeper and try to find out a little bit more about Hillworth, and I was like, man, that guy was legit, and. You know, there were guys that dressed all throughout the 80s that uh, I don't know how many notches they got in the win column, but they showed up every night. And I felt like he could have done that and he could have done it well. He, I think he would have been, I think he would have done just fine. It's more the disrespect that he was shown and that position, the way it was shown. It's always bothered me that those guys are treated like chattel. And when somebody who, you know, who kind of should have known better, like when yeah. he the union, like he should have known better. Um, that one always bothers me on a, on a level that is just different from like, just from like different from watching, say your, your friend getting their butt kicked, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it just, it bothered me. It bothered me in terms of like, you don't treat people like that. It set the organization back. It just was, a, it just, it just is a, it's a shit fight, man. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, that was, a, well, man, those were, those are some great answers. I, uh, that that was a lot of fun. I uh, I I know we've talked, we've gone back and forth here for a little while, and I want to do a playoff thing with you. And I definitely will not yeah. be the last time I get you on. Um, oh, cool. Well, appreciate it. I'd love to. You no, know, absolutely. And I think uh, 
I think once the tournament rolls around, I think I'd like to get you on and we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll do a breakdown of the, the bracket matchup or something. But uh, in the meantime, I know you're a busy dude and you got shit to do, so I'll let you go. But Steve, thank you very much for taking the time today to play uh, man, thank the you, man. 10 Rapid I really Fire. Appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code THPN. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right, here on the fourth line voice, I'm joined special guest all the way out in Florida, just Florida by way of Pittsburgh. He's the Velvet Fog of Pittsburgh. I heard Justin. How's it going? What's going on, Darren? I appreciate you having me on the show today, man. Looking forward to it. Well, there we go. We're gonna we're uh, we're gonna set the bar low and go lower. I've, I'm told. <laughs> so. Well, um, of course, uh, the, we're going to do the yeah, the 10 rapid questions here, I guess. Uh, but you kind of know where I'm going with this because you did listen to the last episode. But hopefully I'll mix a few of them up on you. But uh, I guess we'll start at the top here for the first one. Well, this will be an easy one for you. We'll start off with a, with a slow grounder. But uh, favorite enforcer of all time? All right, this is going to be an opinion of the lightweight enforcer. There you go. I'm going George McPhee. Love it. And, uh, yeah. Well, you got to, uh, well, you were telling me before, well, you did tell me before, but you had, you had an interesting, or not, but you had a George, you had an experience with uh, a George McPhee run in that sort of cemented your favorite here. What, what went yeah. down? No, I'm a Pittsburgh, I'm a Pittsburgh guy. So it was kind of slim pickings back in the eighties. Let's be real. It makes sure got traded away to Edmonton. And I started following hockey as a, as a young kid. Um, of course, I, I love the enforcers. Dave Brown was up there, obviously. But a guy that I really connected with was George McPhee. I saw one of his fights with Rick Tockett, and it was just a toe-to-toe battle. Bottom line is, if you go through the rabbit hole down with the George McPhee fights, all his fights were entertaining. But he was a lightweight as far as size-wise. But he would go with any guy. So when he got traded to New Jersey. A uh, buddy of mine's like, hey, listen, your, your, your guy, George McPhee, the, you know, the devils are in town. You want to go down to the arena? Maybe you can see him. So I'm like, all right, let's skip school. So on our way to the arena for the afternoon skate, and we walk in, Darren, and there's George McPhee sitting in the stands. He, he was suited. He, you know, he was injured, I guess. So we must have sat down for 30 minutes. And I was asking him questions. Hey, it's just a kid asking him this, that, or the other. And I had his New, New Jersey George McPhee jersey on, and 
they were his teammates were all laughing like this guy's like your number one George McPhee fan. I'm like, and I, I believe I was at, at that time. And uh, it's funny. He tried to get me a hockey stick. He didn't have any. So he signed his flight itinerary paperwork and said to my man in Pittsburgh, Justin. And like I said, I just, I, I loved his career the way he, he obviously Hobie Baker winner, but when it comes to the, the grittiness of the hockey player, the, he was the man. So I figured it's, it's not a, a, a name that most people would pick is oh george mcphee but he had a great fight catalog as far as as short as it was it was great yeah it was no and i mean you know like you said a smaller guy but just absolutely fearless when he when he dropped him for sure yeah i mean when, when he when he measured up with guys his size whether the nevin marquardt's of the world or the lane lambert's i mean he he beat the brakes off of those guys, and those guys were, were great scrappers. Also, it was just it didn't matter. He, John Cordick, rest in peace. He he had a, a go with him. Dave Brown. I mean, these guys are six five. At least Dave Brown and McPhee was like five nine on skates, and it just it didn't matter. I mean, I, those guys, it, it did not matter. He he stood stood up for his teammates for sure. No, absolutely. Well, like you said, you're a Penguins guy, a Penguins fan. Uh, and uh, well, I guess the, the the next question will be this. Uh, well, <laughs> funny because we talked about this before we got going too. But this might be a little tricky here. The top three penguin enforcers of all time. Yeah, it's, like I said, there were so many enforcers that came to Pittsburgh for such a short term that you they really couldn't connect with the city. I would say. Number one enforcer, um, and this is going to be very controversial, but he was there the longest, Jay Caulfield. I'm yeah. just going by body of work. Jay Caulfield, yeah. number one. I would say Marty McSorley, number two, and uh, George LaRocque. But it just it was such a short-lived career for most of these guys. The reason I put Caulfield out there is because he was there the longest of any of the enforcers the Penguins ever had. I just wish the guy had better balance because it was, it was very difficult to watch his, his fight. They were very short fights. Jay Coffin was never in a toe to toe throw, but like I said, this is a guy that played football in college. So you got to give him all the credit in the world for, for basically, I guess reinventing his professional career to get on ice skates and go out there with some of the baddest guys on the planet on ice. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like you said, well, but with Caulfield, I mean, you know, people can say about balance and whatever else, but, I mean, his fight card's awesome. Oh, yeah. And, and like I said, it, it, he's our enforcer. I didn't say he was the best fighter of all the Penguins, just the guy who's probably there the longest. I mean, going by the tenure. I mean, every, everybody else that came through, and the Penguins, they had every guy that came through either at the end of their career, whether it was the Kim Claxton, Stan Jonathan, Dave Schultz, and they just, nothing really happened when they were Penguins. This was before my time, really. McSorley was the one that we, they never should have let McSorley get away. I, to this day, I believe Lemieux would have paid, played another five years had McSorley been a Penguin throughout. I mean, you know, look what he did for Gretzky's career, and Lemieux just really needed a guy like that. And of course, Taka came in, but it was towards the end of his career. And I think it, the damage was done when 
the Penguins did not have a guy that could just go right on the ice and, you know, prevent the aggressive play on Lemieux. You know, so it's a shame. It really is. Yeah. Now, as far as a, a Penguins guy, I was going to say that the next quote would be the, the worst of Forrester, but not that's not the right word, but just like, who are you disappointed? Like you're like, oh, we're getting him or whatever. Or we have, and it was just like a disappointment. Well, I will say he was he was a penguin for he was very short term, and I was so excited when Steve McIntyre was suiting up for the Penguins, yeah. and the Penguins just never they never gave him that chance to really stay. He came up for I remember a game the Flyers and the Penguins were having a real bitter rivalry at the end of the season, and there was a bunch of fights in the one game, and the next thing you knew, McIntyre's up for the next game. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be good. And nothing happened. They, they probably saw McIntyre on the bench, and everyone's like, all right, that's, what the, that's their job. They're there to be a presence, and he was definitely a presence. Yeah, he was. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, that was one guy that the Penguins had. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that Goddard didn't stay longer. He was great. Goddard was awesome. Very entertaining fighter. Even another guy that – People won't really put together with the Penguins, but he had a lot of great fights as a Penguin. Jim McKenzie, yep. another big guy that could throw. Obviously not in the prime of his career with Pittsburgh, but he had some entertaining fights as a Penguin. So, But if you really go through the, the logs of the Penguins, the enforcers that they had, it was a lot of them. You know, trade deadline came around. I was always excited to, all right, who are we getting this time? Who, who's going to happen? Because obviously – you know, that's what we had to have. The playoff run back in those days were, okay, it's going to be grimy a little bit in the first couple rounds, so we need to have those character guys. Um, another guy we had, um, Roberts. Yeah. Roberts, to the end of his career. Of course, what a great career that guy had. And uh, I still remember watching one of these shows with um, Don Cherry, and he's like, the Penguins are losing. They, they need to put Roberts in the lineup. They need just to do that spark, just something. You know, Jerome McGinley, there's a, a lot of players that they, the Penguins have had that you just never – it was always on the downside of their career as far as that goes. Are they the back nine, Darren. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Speaking of the Pens, um, why did a player spotlight on him a while ago? And I was always a fan of his, and I always feel bad because it was just – it's just never worked out, and he'll always be kind of the, the butt of the joke kind of thing. But I always wanted to see Alex Stoinoff do well. Yes. And, of course, he got traded for Marcus Naslin. And, of course, everybody, oh, it's one of the worst trades in the history and, you know, whatever. Hindsight, of course, yeah. But at the time, I could see why the trade was made. And I made an argument for that on one of the episodes. It was like, I don't think people understand how good Stoinoff was at the time. Like in terms of being an enforcer and having talent and stuff. It's just, you know, some issues there and whatever. But didn't work out with injuries and kind of some off-ice shit. But it's like, um, but yeah, that was a bad dude, man. And I always kind of hoped it worked out and it never did. Absolutely. Like I said, I be honest with Darren, I forgot he was even there because it was such a short term. Like all these enforcers that came to Pittsburgh, yep. like all the, the management, for some reason, they just were not all about the, that. They, they really weren't, not for long term. I mean, how do you let Ryan Reeves go? I mean, Ryan Reeves, a great teammate. I mean, we still miss him in Pittsburgh. I mean, I don't live up there. I still talk to my buddies like Reeves. They never should have gotten rid of Reeves. They should have made it happen to keep him. 
keep him there in Pittsburgh. Sydney, you know, Crosby's bodyguard. No, no one would touch Crosby. Not that they do now in this day and age, but it's just it's just different. It's so different as you talk about. Well, you know what's funny? And I was just kind of like scrolling through the Pittsburgh's all-time roster as you were talking. And actually, another guy, like you said, it's always Pittsburgh just seems to be like good name, but it's like the revolving door in there. One, I completely forgot he played in Pittsburgh. And I, Andre Waugh. Wow, that makes two of us. You know, Barnaby was there too. Barnaby, yeah. he's not in, either. Barnaby was there for like a couple of seasons. Um, wow, yeah, Andre Waugh. And, yeah, it's like 05, 06. Francois LaRue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Roskowski was kind of Lemieux's bodyguard a little bit, but Roskowski, you know, he's the George McPhee prototype. I mean, you know, guy's 5'9", he would go with anyone, but he was on Lemieux's line. But when Tockett came, that, that was, you know, that's pretty much, we got the second cup because of Tockett, man. The courage he had in the one game, he broke his jaw and he was out there the next, the next period with a mask on. I mean, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. For that, yeah. that cup run. Gary Risling, Dwight Schofield. Yeah, shit, the Penguins have had a few cat, cats, that's for sure. Oh, Paul Baxter. Paul Baxter yeah. was next door to my best friend. Paul Baxter was there, but it was before my time. But he's like, yeah, that, that, Paul Baxter lived here, and he put up a ton of penalty minutes for the yeah. Penguins. Yeah, he did. But, like, but yeah, that, that deep dive of enforcers for the Penguins, it's, it was a huge list, but it was just such a short tenure for all of them. No, no one stayed very long. Nobody. No, absolutely. Um, oh, yeah, that was question three. Question four, okay, we'll kind of move away from Pittsburgh or whatever. We'll just kind of talk enforcing in general and just your f- fandom as a fight fan. Um, who is someone that you've done a complete 180 on? Ooh. Hated them growing up or whatever as in your during the tape days or whatever, and now you kind of look back and it's like, yeah, I'm kind of a fan of this guy now. Oh, I'm going to say Rick Tockett. I did not like Tockett growing up because obviously they would come to Pittsburgh. We'd go there and he would just run run us out of the building. I mean, Tockett was like that. And then obviously when the Penguins signed him, it was like, oh, he's our guy now. And then you get to watch him and respect him. He's one of the, the greatest power forwards of all time. It was, but Tockett just, he ran guys all the time with the Penguins. But he, like you said, in his career, he, he's one of the greats. He really is. I mean, mad respect. Of course, his biggest rival because of George McPhee, my fandom for McPhee. I was like, ah, it's Tockett. Uh, you know, he's beating the Penguins up. And, you know, him and McPhee had some, some nice bouts. But, uh, yeah, when he became a Penguin, it's, obviously it changes. Like, like, like most fans, all right, he's on our team now. Here we go. But just the respect the guy has. I mean, he's... He would he would he would not mess around with guys that were not of his quality when it came to the skill level. You know, I mean, if if you weren't like a Wendell Clark or whatnot, he's not even going to give you a look to to drop the gloves. You know, he he's not going to waste his time. So he was definitely a guy that you know most most fans love anyway. But I just at the beginning when he was a rookie, he he definitely was not a one of my fan favorites at all. Interesting. Well, there you go. Um, okay. Well, you, I mean, you're around in the, the message board days and all that stuff and uh, as fight fans and whatever. Who, in your mind, is the most overrated enforcer of all time? And I'm not going to go Brashear because I know that's just the, that's the easy pick. I'm not going Brashear. Um, 
Oh, man. Let's see. This is... Wow, man. You, you might be stumping me. There's this... It's right, as far as overrated... Okay. You know, John John Scott. John Scott. Just, yeah. Just, I mean, he was very overrated because he was such a big guy. I just... You know, it's... I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. That's an yeah. intro. You went new school on me here, but yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I can't. It's not, yeah. <laughs> I will. Yeah, it's just... I had a guy on here. It was an ex-player, tough guy. I'm not going to throw his name out because whatever it was said in confidence. But oh, he said John Scott. He goes, the guy is the biggest spot picker he's ever seen. And it's like, and I, when he when he said it, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know, whatever. But then when I went back and you look. And you look at the guys he never fought that were around at the time. Not that there was like a, you know, because he obviously knew guy. It wasn't like there's a plethora. It wasn't like it was the 80s or anything where every team had four guys. But, I mean, there are some names that he missed. And it's like, yeah. And I think, and again, I'm not a regular listener to the John Scott podcast, so forgive me. And it's not that I have anything against John Scott, but... And I don't know if he's being facetious or if it's just a joke, if it's an inside joke, and I guess I'm not in on the joke. But I've listened to some of the answers he's given questions. I mean, you listen to the dude talk. I think he thinks he was Dave Brown or something. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy. He's yeah, a big yeah. Guy. I mean, I did, and he had one one fight that was really, really strong. The, the, the West Guard fight. Yeah. And he, he, he bloodied him pretty bad. And, um, but yeah, he uh, yeah, I just wasn't a fan. It was, I don't know. I it just wasn't a lot of a lot of hype, a lot of hype. Yeah. Well, now we got to go on the the flip side of that coin. Underrated. Underrated. Well, I'm going to go with uh, this guy. I'm going to say he's the most underrated enforcer of all time, oh. in my opinion. Like like bar none, bar none. I'm going Jay Wells. Jay Wells. Very good. As far as Very good. He, yeah, he just, he had a lot of fights with the Kings. When, when I was getting the DVD videos, and I don't want to go too old school, but it's a guy just, he was, he, he was incredible. He really was every time. He, yeah, so, yeah, I was a fan of his. I mean, it's what he had. I don't think he got enough run. I really don't. I mean, as far as what he did, I mean, maybe out west they talked about him a lot, but it just wasn't a guy's name that would come on the top of your head. Yeah, there was always like those old, old kind of, and they're not around anymore. But like those, just those old, just sandpaper, mean defensemen. You know, like the Jay Wells, the Dean Kennedys, Bobby Rouse, Tenorti, just guys that just they'll clear out the front of the net. They'll give you the extra cross check if you wanted to fight. Yeah, all right. You know, if shit was going south. They'll be in there, and they could kick some ass. And it was just like. And they'd hit, they're just, you know what I mean? Just some grizzly old yeah, bastards that were just mean. There, yeah. Honorable, honorable mention. Uh, very short fight list, but Dave Richter. Another yeah. guy that was, Yeah, I mean, he was just, that left hand was direct. It was just like, he did not miss when he threw that left. And I think he surprised a lot of people with the left. Like growing up, yeah, Dave Richter was absolutely very, very underrated. Very underrated. It's interesting. I, I know a lot of the guys, well, our age or whatever, they talk about, I don't know what it is. For some reason, with, when it comes to Richter, I have like a real blind spot. It's like I haven't, 
I gotta do a deep dive on Richter. I mean, I obviously I know who he is, and I've seen the yeah. seen some of his fights and stuff, but I never. I guess I just one of those. I just didn't pay much attention, and uh, like you said, an under radar under the radar guy. So I guess I never. But I know he's got the big rep, especially amongst fight fans. Like a lot of the old guys are like, like really into him, right? And it's like I know he had some tough injuries and whatever, but yeah, he. Uh, that's definitely a guy that I'm gonna have to. Uh, I gotta, I gotta do a deep dive on. Maybe that could be a player spotlight on one of the episodes. That way, it'll make me go down that Dave Richter rabbit hole. But I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, Darren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm lost here. Where are we? Oh, seven. Question seven. Um, best fight you ever saw live? Well, it's kind of started my fandom. Like I said, I was visiting my family in Philadelphia, and uh. I was there for the George McPhee Rick Tockett go, and we were probably ten rows up, and it happened right in front of us, and it was just, yeah, it was it was one of the better better fights of that season. I think it was like eighty five, I believe. Incredible fight, from just incredible. And that's pretty much there is when I started. Like wow, this George McPhee guy, man, he's he's unbelievable. So that was it. That was it for that. I I did see Brendan Shanahan almost go in the stands in Pittsburgh. I was at that game. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the, the two hockey uh, highlights for me as far as never saw any bench clears. I was, I didn't go to enough games for that, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, um, well, I heard, I heard Shanahan was trying to get at you. <laughs> I was on the other side. I was, oh, that wasn't you that started I was, that? I don't oh. think so. I was only like 15 at the time, so I don't think he was jumping in his hands to get to me. <laughs> well, I thought I it was. Not. Well, I, I saw the. I saw. I saw a Zemlak jersey on that. I thought it was you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I, can I can I uh, repost my answer? Yeah, Richard Zemlak was probably one of the most overrated enforcers. Also, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, <laughs> Richard Zemlak and. Uh, maybe his other buddy, Basil McRae. You know, I mean, it's Basil and him were just, oh my goodness. Yep, it's Richard oh. Zemlak. Another, peng- another penguin, I believe. <laughs> yeah, throwing out Basil McRae. Al will be happy that you said that. That's an inside joke between Al and I, but he always goes on about Basil. Yeah. Um, well, uh, number eight. Um, fantasy matchup. You could have any, uh, what's your dream fight? All right, I'm going to go not new school, but new school when the era was going with old school. This fantasy matchup would be George McPhee, of course, and PJ Stock. There you go. Both guys, both hands. It it would it would have been incredible. It would absolutely be incredible. That that would be that would be well, and you you shared an interesting story with me. You know, not to just d- disregard your answer like that because that is that would be a great fight. But you had talked uh, when I had William. He had mentioned Man and Semenko. You have an interesting. Yes. You were there. Yes, I was there, William. I was there for when the Penguins had they they got Jimmy Man and uh, Semenko's with Toronto, kind of the end of his career. And uh, so the game was boring game. I mean, Leafs might have been up by a couple goals, five minutes left in the game, and they Man goes on the ice, and I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm like, Semenko, like, Semenko didn't leave the, the bench the whole game. So he, Semenko goes out there, and I'm like, all right, we're going to see what Jimmy Mann has. So getting ready to drop the puck, and Mann tries to jump Semenko before the whistle and gets a 10-minute misconduct out of the game. Nothing happens. 
so disappointing. It was all set up exactly to go. And when you guys talked about it last episode, I was like, it almost happened in Pittsburgh. And, you know, both at the end of their careers, of course, but it would have been nice. And I think Samantha would have probably beat the brakes off them, to be honest with you. But it is what it is, maybe. But it was unfortunate they they were that close to going right there. Yeah, there. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, two old warriors right there at the end of the line. But yeah, that would have been interesting. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Well, we're at uh, number nine. Um, uh, what fight do you hate the most when it comes on and you watch it? You're just like, ah, I don't like that. Um, like I said, it's probably uh, probably a lot of opinions on this fight. It just I hated to see because I hated to see somebody get really really seriously injured in a fight and it would be the Colton or Fedorchik fight. It just, it was, it's, that was tough to watch. I mean, yeah, Fedorchik, that's a, that's a heavy shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like you said, and of course, as soon as it happened, that was kind of in the, in the mainstay of the, uh, as you call it, the nuclear weapon stage where everyone was starting to get back to that. Um, yep. and it was unfortunate because both those guys were warriors and, I mean, it, it ha- that's what happens, and it's like you say, you just hate to see that when you got carted off on that. It was, it was definitely a scary moment. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's always one of those things when you're watching, right? It's you know, everybody wants the toe to toe wars, and I mean, I get it. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying I don't want to see that too, but you know, and all a knockdown or whatever. But yeah, when it starts to get like a guy's motionless, and it's yeah, that's that's never good, you know. A working hit, man. Yeah, for sure. Oh, another another uh, player for you, Darren. Like I said, underrated, short career. He was a Penguin. Derek England was was he was an unbelievable scrapper for for the new era. You know, it was a shame that yeah you know, he went to Vegas and then you know he hasn't been. He had a very short tenure there, but uh, when he was a Penguin, he he definitely did a lot of a lot of nice scraps with Colton Moore and. Uh, yep. He definitely he definitely knew what he was doing. England was a England was a great grindy defenseman that could throw. Not a lot of people talk about it, but he was definitely one of the better Penguin fighters that they've had enforcers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, old Endo there. Yeah, I watched him obviously play junior here and uh, out in Moose Jaw, and uh, yeah, big dude, and uh, had a hell of a career, and uh, you know, kind of really found kind of that that second home there in in uh, Vegas, and. Uh, well, I think he still works for the Knights. He still lives out there, and yeah, he uh, won, like you said, with George McPhee, of course, as the GM. He's having a hell of a run in Vegas there, and built quite the team, and uh, yeah, there's a few Penguins cats out in Las Vegas. Yeah, like I said, I just think they have passion for the game, and those guys probably all do. These The, the grinders out there, as far as they, they make you know great leaders, because obviously the respect factor is there. They had to work every night, you know, everything they did, they had to work for it. And so obviously that, that pays off in the, in the business world once they're, once they hang up the skates. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, we're here on number 10. The final question, this is uh, like, we started with your favorite. So I guess we got to go, like I said, on the other side of the coin. I mean, I know you said you didn't like talking or whatever, but like just in terms of just enforcers, not because what they did to the Penguins or whatever, but just in general, you're just like, I hate this son of a bitch. Like who? Who is your like most hated enforcer? Back in the days when you're watching the old tapes, the VHS tapes, and the DVDs, and you're just like, oh, I hope this guy gets his ass kicked when he shows up on the screen. 
let's see. God, there was, there, there was a lot of guys. Like just everyone's in that same era. Um, you know, I did not freaking Tim Hunter. Something no. about Tim Hunter. I don't know what it was. I couldn't stand Tim Hunter. Just, just uh, unorthodox. No. I know he got brown. Uh, I know he got it was Samanko or Brown in one of the fights, but yeah, I was not a Tim Tim Hunter fan, not at all, man. Something, something about him, I just it just irked me. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that style. It was kind of that like that wrestling, but but he'd get a hand free, and yeah, he um he had a hell of a career. But yeah, no, I remember. But that was the one thing with the Battle of Alberta. Of course, everybody talked oh Samanko and Hunter and all those guys. Hunter actually usually used to get the best of Semenko more, more times than not. And it's, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, Hunter had a hell of a run, but yeah, I can, I get the, uh, I get the frustration for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But respect though. Respect. Oh yeah. Frustration, but respect. All these guys, man, bad respect, man. Yep. For what they did. Like I said, that was the, the, the glory years of hockey. Like you said, getting the tape, the fight tapes, I used to, I used to get them for Christmas. That was my Christmas present as a kid. Uh, the stocking stuffers, the VHS hockey tapes. Yeah, you know, that, and that, that always look forward to it. Christmas Day, the cousins would all come over. We'd hang out in the basement and watch hockey fights, and everyone would be like, "This is not. Is this Christmas? Oh, absolutely. This is what it is. This is how. This is our tradition. Our hockey tradition was watching the the new the new tape that came in the mail in my stocking when Santa delivered it. That was it." Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, oh yeah. And it, uh, well, like we were talking off air there, but yeah, if the kids only knew the plight that we had to go through, but yeah, like, man, I remember like if you buy a tape or make a trade and the tape was coming when that thing was in your mailbox. Yeah. That was like Christmas, man. Like you don't, you'd rip that tape open and you'd, you'd wear the reels off of that thing. You'd play it so many times. That was the best twenty dollars purchase you could ever make. That, that's what it was. I still remember that. That was big money back in the eighties. Let me tell you, that was big money. Yeah, I was like two days of work for me back then. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, then of course that's the thing. Like we had to buy tapes from the American guys. I mean, yeah, with the exchange rate and the ship. Yeah, those were a small fortune for those damn things. Yeah. You, 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 oh, I remember one time I made a trade with a guy. I can't remember what the tape was, but I remember I really wanted to get the tape, and it showed up and it was smashed. I remember I opened the oh. box up, and it was just, I could have had te- I was like, I, I could have tears in my eyes just thinking about it because you wait so long. You're waiting like four weeks for this thing, right? And it shows up and it's in friggin' pieces. Oh, one of the guys that I that I got the tapes from, he used to, and I'm sure they did that back in the day, but the enforcers, he, there was a couple enforcers he said that he had that reached out to him just to get footage. Yep. You know, yep. that's what they did. Uh, he didn't say who the names were, but he's like, yeah, there's a couple guys. I just, you know, I didn't want to get into it, I understand. But yeah, he's like, no, these tapes are very, uh, a, a lot of good info. Like that, that's back when you could have four tapes in one year. Now you can't have, you know, you can't have one tape for four or five years. You know, it's pretty much how it is. But in yep. those days, that's that's how that's how they did it. And that's how they learned. Yeah, well, that was the thing, right? Like that's the one thing. There, you know, no internet, no YouTube, or yeah. So I mean, if you were gonna see stuff, it's like yeah, you had to find a tape guy, and uh, everything was regional, and you know, it was. Uh, oh yeah, I remember. I yeah, I made some. I made some tapes for some players and stuff, and and you know, most of it was later on when it was like kind of tapes of their careers, right? Like. Uh, Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, well, the the players love that shit for sure. So, 
But uh, well, man, I really enjoyed doing this. I want to. Uh, I want. I know we've talked back and forth, but I really, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. No, I thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me on, Derek. Like I said, I listen to the show, and I, I, I do like when you, you're engaging with some of the a lot of your listeners as far as just people's opinions. And like I said, it's it, it's fun. I mean, it's 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 our niche. And yep. uh, I enjoy it, man. I definitely enjoy it, man. It definitely makes the uh, the day go by a little bit faster. Hey, <laughs> as I say, if we're, we're at work, that's all we're trying to do. Find something that can make this shit go quicker. So if, if my show exactly. could do that for people, hey, that's the best gift I can give someone, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. All right, Matt. Well, I'll let you get back to the sun there down there in Florida. But uh, once again, thank you very much for coming on. All right. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 